it's my joy to welcome Anita up as she opens up the Word of God. Anita, let me pray for you. Lord, we thank you for the word you've placed on Anita's heart. And even just reading the, the, the outline that uh, was sent through, Lord, I'm excited. And uh, Lord, we're just expectant for what you have to say through her and what you've placed on her heart. We just pray, Lord God, everything of you may just echo in our hearts. And everything not of you will just fall to the ground. We thank you, Lord God, for your goodness. I pray, Lord, fill her afresh with your presence and your, your Holy Spirit as she opens your word today. Amen. 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 It's lovely to see you all this morning. Everyone hear me? Yeah. I feel like I'm the, the guinea pig here this morning. That's uh, the first one to, to, pre to bring the word from the stage. So I was a little bit worried that I might get too excited and go falling off the end of it. So um, you might have to just rein me back in if I, uh, if I get to that point. But it's so lovely to be able to share the word um, with you this morning. And um, Last week, Steve set out for us um, the start of this, really, where we talked about um, being restored and assured. Wasn't it an exciting message to hear last week from Steve? Steve said that cultivation leads to multiplication. Isn't that exciting? Um, he said that that was, was once laid in ruins, will be fortified and inhabited again, and the desolate and the destroyed will be replanted and rebuilt. Isn't that an exciting word that he brought last week? And this morning, I'm going to be following on from that a little bit and exploring um, a little bit about what that practically means in the title of my message this morning, which is to rebuild the individual in the context of what Steve was setting out last week. Um, so that's what I'm going to try and do this morning. And we want to look at really how this sits as a value to us or a set of values to us as Restore Church Plymouth. Amen. So one of our visions, um, if you've been onto our website, our vision is clearly set out on there. But one of our, vis uh, one of our um, mission, uh, vision statements on our website is that we are rebuilding the individual by partnering with Jesus to save the lost and to serve the broken. That's our vision as church. Um, so this morning, um, that's what I'm going to be just kind of sharing a few things around what that means to us practically. So if you have your Bibles with you, um, the scripture that from this morning is taken from Jeremiah chapter 33. Um, and I'm going to start at verse 1. It says, While Jeremiah was still confined in the courtyard of the guard, the word of the Lord came to him a second time. This is what the Lord says. He who made the earth, the Lord who formed it and established it, the Lord is his name. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. For this is what the Lord says, the God of Israel says about you. The houses in this city and the royal palaces of Judah that have been torn down to be used against the siege ramps and the sword in the fight with the Babylonians. They will be filled with dead bodies of the people I slay in my anger and wrath. I will hide my face from this city because of all of its wickedness. Nevertheless, I will bring health and healing to it. I will heal my people and I will let them enjoy abundant peace and security I will bring Judah and Israel back from captivity, and we will rebuild them as they were before. I will cleanse them from all their sins that they have committed against me, and I will forgive them of all their sins of their rebellion against me. Then this city will bring me renown, joy, praise, and honor before all nations on earth that hear of all the good things that I do for it here. And they will be in awe and will tremble at the abundant prosperity and peace I provide for it. This is what the Lord says. 
you say about this place, it is a desolate waste without people or animals. Yet in the towns of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem, they are deserted, inhabited by neither people or animal. There will be heard once more the sounds of joy and gladness, the voices of bride and bridegroom, the voices of those who give thank offerings in the house of the Lord saying, give thanks to the Lord Almighty for the God is good and his love endures forever. Isn't that an amazing scripture to ring this morning? It's it's so full of promise. It's so full of promise about restoration, about rebuilding. Um, I I read this and I thought, okay, that's it. I could go now. That's a brilliant scripture, isn't it, to leave you? (laughs) But um, when I started about to think about the word rebuild, the word rebuild actually is described as this, to build something again after it has been destroyed or damaged. We see in this scripture that the city had been destroyed, the houses were torn down because of the wickedness, because of the sin, yet God said to Jeremiah, nevertheless, in spite of, yeah, I will bring health and healing to it. And I'm so excited about this, this scripture and this message, because no matter where we find ourselves, no matter what we have done, God is there with the words, nevertheless. I will bring health and healing and promises of joy and gladness and restoration, nevertheless, in spite of. That's just, it's just uh, maybe I'm the only one that's excited about that this morning, but I'm really excited about that. <laughs> I'm really excited about that. Nevertheless, thank you, God. When I was starting to pray through and asking God, you know, what do you want to bring about this, this topic of rebuilding the individual? And what does this mean? And what do you want to say to people? I was sitting there and I was praying it through, and the image of uh, the earthquake zone in Turkey and Syria came to my head. And you will have all seen on the news, wouldn't you? The, the absolute carnage, the, the destruction, and you just see a city where there might be one thing bit outstanding, but yet all around it, there's just complete devastation. Everything, bricks, everything all over the place. And when I was just praying it through, and I just saw this, and saw how people's lives have been impacted by this tragedy that's happened, I felt God say to me, this is what people's lives are like without me. Imagine... A war zone, imagine this earthquake zone, and then put that in the context of people's lives without, without Jesus as part of it. Because the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and leave people's lives resembling that of a disaster zone. We see broken families, broken hearts, addiction, emotional, physical sickness. We see fear, poverty, hopelessness, death, and an eternity in hell. That's the destruction that the enemy brings. And that is the war zone that is out there. That is, that is the reality of people's lives without Jesus in it. We know that, that Jesus came that we might have life in all its fullness. But there's a process of restoration to go through quite often. We can be restored into God, but there's a process of seeing that. There's a, there's a journey to go on from a, a disaster zone to restoration and fullness of life. And here at Engage Church, we pledge that we're partnered. Someone's got to do it sometime, haven't they? <laughs> so, yeah. Here at Restore Church, Plymouth, <laughs> you know, we, we are partnering with Jesus to save the lost and serve the broken. And the context that we're operating in is, if you imagine this war zone of the devastation of people's lives without Jesus in it. 
So I want to share a few thoughts this morning about what that means to partner with Jesus um, and to save the lost and the broken. And um, in my points that I'm going to go through this morning, I'm going to refer to the word place. And I want you to think about this as a particular position, a point, an area or location. So when I talk about place, I don't just mean this house. I do mean this house, but I don't just mean this house. I mean us as church, that wherever we are positioned... Whatever place we might go to, wherever we might put our foot in front of us, wherever we might step, that's what I mean by place this morning. So a place, my first point is a place of love and acceptance. You know, if we're going to show God's love to others, we must be prepared to accept people from all walks of life. This doesn't mean that we approve of what everyone does. There might be things and, you know, we meet people and there's lots of things that, that we do we disagree with, okay? We're not saying, don't hear me, that we just accept and, um, and everything that everyone does. Um, however, we love people and we accept people. You know, God loves me and you, and I'm sure God doesn't approve of everything I do. <laughs> and I'm sure he doesn't approve of everything you do either. But he still loves me. He still loves you. And... Um, it's not a love that says I approve of you in everything that you do, Anita, but it's a, it's a love that says I just love and I accept you for who you are. And God's love is in spite of, and it comes back to similar to what we just saw in the Jeremiah. The city was destroyed uh, because of its wickedness, because of its sin, and God said, nevertheless, in spite of. So we love people in spite of what we see in those people and in Romans uh, fifteen seven, it says, Therefore accept each other, just as Christ has accepted you, so that God will be given glory. By showing acceptance to others, we are showing God's love and bringing praise and glory to him. You know, every time we show love, we are giving glory to God. Because God is love and, you know, God is glorified by where we show things that actually show him who he is and his character and his nature. You know, the term Christian, we're all familiar with it, aren't we? The term Christian is to be Christ-like. And I believe God wants us to develop his character in relation to this. And, um, you know, there's that old expression, or it's like father like son, like father like daughter. You know, there's that old expression, isn't there? Come on, church, we want to be like that. <laughs> you know, we want to be like father like son, like father like daughter here by developing the same character of Christ. You know, Paul was referring to this when he urged the Philippians, and he said this, not looking at your own interests, but each of you in the interests of others, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. You know, I looked at the definition of the word mindset, and it says this, it's a habitual or characteristic mental attitude that determines how you will interpret and respond to situations. So, in, in everything, and what Paul was encouraging here in, in these believers is to have that same attitude that Jesus had. In your thoughts, in your character, in, in, in the way that you speak, in the way that you position yourself, to, to do that in the way that Jesus would do that, to have his mindset, his, his character in that. Being like-minded was what he said, not looking out for your own interests, caring for the interests of others, considering others as more important than yourself. These are all the attitudes that reflect who Jesus was. And I was thinking about this, and actually the fruits of the Spirit are also quite a good example 
of the characteristics of Jesus. You know, what a better way of just to summarize the character of Jesus. I mean, Galatians 5.22, and we're all familiar with this, I'm sure, it says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. In 1 Corinthians 13, it says, three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is Mark chapter 12, 29, and Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important to love your neighbor as yourself. Against this, there is no command. And Jesus expressed in his life the ultimate, um, ultimate love and joy and everything that he did. It exemplified um, in, in everything he did, his character just came through. In every circumstance, he modeled kindness to the forgotten, goodness to the wayward, faithfulness to the faltering, gentleness, and self-control in even the worst situations that he was faced with. Ultimately, God is love. It's the very core fabric of God's being is about love. And if we, um, if we are going to um, develop the same character as Jesus, then we need to learn to love people the way that Jesus loves people. You know, at Restore Church Plymouth, we have to be prepared to accept that people will come into this house and we have to be able to accept them with the same love and grace that God has accepted us. You know, people are going to come in and we're going to meet people where we do our lives, where we go to work, our schools, our places that we are. We're going to encounter people who have all sorts of issues and challenges in their lives. Um, and, it, you know, it's easy. It's easy to cross, cross over the other side of the road. Or it's easy to fall into judgment. Did you hear the language that that person used on Sunday morning? It was terrifying. He smelled a bit, didn't he? He was a bit smelly when he came in. Did you see the... Her skirt was so short, you know, it's easy to fall into judgment. You know, each day we need to strive to develop and demonstrate the character of Christ. Let's see people the way Jesus sees people. When we meet them, when we encounter them, when we come into contact with them, let's love people the way Jesus loves people. Let's accept people the way God accepts us. Nevertheless, in spite of, nevertheless. We love people, we accept people. My second point this morning is that um, is a place of healing and compassion. Um, I'm going to read a, a section from uh, the Message Bible this morning. It's, it's from Matthew 9, verse 35. Then Jesus made a circuit of all the towns and villages. He taught in their meeting places, reported kingdom news, healed their diseased bodies, healed their bruised and hurt lives. When he looked out over the crowds, his heart broke. So confused and aimless they were, like sheep with no shepherd. What a huge harvest, he said to his disciples. How few the workers are. On your knees and pray for harvest hands. You know, this scripture gives us a glimpse of the love and compassion that Jesus has for us. Some versions of the Bible will use the word, he was moved to compassion, but I think there's something so compelling about the message version when it says, his heart broke. I had to just let that sit there and say, Jesus sat and looked out 
his heart broke. God was so full of compassion and mercy. His love cannot fail us. His faithfulness cannot leave us. It will endure every day of our lives. I was thinking about um, who's watched the Titanic movie. Everyone's watched that. It's so old. It's a brilliant movie. It's one of my favorites. It's on my record list, you know, that I can watch if I need a good, a good feel-good sort of moment. But there's a scene in this where Rose and Jack are trying to get from a lower deck because the water's coming in and a sinking bit. And they're trying to get to the upper deck where they can hopefully find a life raft and they can get to safety. And in this scene, they're in this corridor and there's water flowing through. And they hear the cry of a child. He's standing in the corridor totally on his own, no parents around him, no hope. He's crying and he's going, he's lost there. The water's hit, the fear that he must have felt. And Rose and Jack, they turn around and they, get, and they use these words, we can't leave him. So what they did is they, they, they turned around and they, they ran down despite the water coming in and it was pretty, getting pretty tight now to get up before they got flooded. They ran down and they grabbed this child. They wrapped their arms around him, they picked him up and they, and they t- were going to take him to safety. And they were start running then in the, opposite, in the direction of safety. And then they bumped into this child's father. And the, the father, there was a reunited there with the father. And the father then takes the child. And he starts to go in the opposite direction, back to where the water was coming. And Jack and Rose turn around and said, wait, you're going in the wrong direction. They were moved to compassion. They could have just turned around at any point and said, quick, we just need to get out of here. But they heard the cry of a child. They were moved to compassion, and they tried to do everything they could to put themselves in danger to try and help that child in that situation. And when we look at this, we can see that there's a, the, the, the longingness of how they were describing that to rescue this child is the way that God longs to see everybody, every one of his children here on earth rescued. That's the longing that Jesus has for us. It's a, it's a, obviously, it's much deeper than that, but it's, I'm trying to get us to see a picture of, of us being here as, as a child that's crying and lost and deserted, to see that there's a compassionate God that is moved with compassion to come and save us. God sees a generation of people who are confused, lost, not sure where to go for help. And the kind of compassion that we see in this example of finding a child is the kind of compassion that we should have for those who are spiritually lost around us. This morning I ask us a question, do we truly have compassion for the lost? Does our heart break for the lost and the brokenhearted? Or are we like the, the um, Pharisees that we hear about in Luke chapter 5, where it says, the Pharisees and the scribes, seeing those with whom Jesus was associating, began murmuring in discontent to his disciples, asking, Why are you eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus replied to them, It is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but only those who are sick. I did not come to call the self-proclaimed righteous who see no need to repent, but sinners to repentance, to change their old ways of thinking, to turn from sin and to seek God in his righteousness. You know, in this text, Jesus was responding to questions concerning Jesus' affiliation with the people that he, that he associated with. You know, he went into the places that, that the Pharisees didn't want to go to. That, that it was seen as being the, not the thing to do. He had time with sinners. He wanted to lead them to repentance. Jesus compared sin to sickness in this scripture. 
and he deemed himself as the master physician. And um, I, I was thinking about this, and I believe that churches should resemble something a bit like a hospital. Yeah? Um, so, we, you know, if Jesus is the master physician, that churches should be a place where the physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually wounded people can come into a place of healing. That as they walk in, that they should have time to be healed, to be put onto the, the road of recovery from that that they're in. In Psalm 147, it says, The Lord is rebuilding Jerusalem and bringing exiles back to Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and he bandages their wounds. This is the compassion of our God. You know, Tony and I spent quite a bit of time in hospital over the last few few months, really, six months or so, in and out, it seems to be, like, always in there. And so when you think about the characteristics of hospital, you know, if you think about that, actually, hospitals are, they, they give care without judgment. Everybody is welcome to come through that door. And despite the fact that there's somebody who's been picked up who's drunk on drugs or whatever, and they've got themselves into a terrible state on a Friday night down in the clubs in town, they're taken to hospital and they're received without judgment. They're given treatment and, and help in that situation, despite that. You know, they talk to you in English, you, or a language you can understand, <laughs> if, it's, if it's English isn't, or wherever you are in the world. Um, but they talk to you in plain English so that you can understand what they say. They follow up. So if a consultant has said to Tony, I'll, I'll contact you next week with a date for something, they contact us next week with a date for something. They talk truth with compassion. And they're not afraid to learn and to be upfront and personal with people. There's some expression of compassion, touching each other. You can't put a, a cannula drip in someone's arm without having to get close to them and being close to those people. And I was reading um, a blog for a lady called Susan Lawrence. Um, I don't know if anyone's ever heard of her. I've never seen any of her stuff before. But she, she had a similar analogy of her father with having some cancer treatment in hospital. And she then set out a few questions that would be useful to have as church when we consider whether how we're, how we're responding as church. And I'm just going to read through these questions that she set out. She said, how welcoming are we to a variety of people? Do we expect something of them? Or do we have prejudices that draw or repel us? Do we take time for people on their timetables and needs instead of our own? Do we speak plainly and simply? Do we answer their questions instead of pushing our own agendas? Do we do what we say we would do? Are we living authentic lives, not just with one individual, just within the church, but with everyone in every situation, inside and outside of the church walls? Do we speak the truth in love? Do we represent Jesus well in his boldness, his compassion, kindness, confrontation, sacrifice, and understanding? Or do we isolate some of his characteristics and rationalize the way we approach people because it is the way we are most comfortable? Are we willing to live with others even when it's messy and risky? Or do we try to keep our lives sterile, protecting ourselves from potential struggles, sacrifices, and inconvenience? Are we continually learning, setting aside declarations that we've got all the answers ourselves, even when we feel more experienced, but are we humbly willing to pursue truth, and are we willing to change? You know, there are people who are lost, and they just don't know where to go for help. There are those who are hurting, and they need somebody just to stand by them. There are those that need to be introduced to a savior, and the one that we know who can bring healing and wholeness and forgiveness and freedom 
There are those that need nursing back to full health. There are those that need a surgeon who can reach down inside the soul and can peel back the layers of bitterness, anger, depression, addiction, and loneliness. There are those that need a paramedic who will rescue them from the street and bring them to a point that they can find Jesus. It's my prayer that this house will become a place where people can be loved back to full life with the love of God. I pray that church, this church will be a place that is a place of healing, a place of compassion. And I want to encourage you this morning to ask God to give you eyes to truly see people. That God will use our hands, our feet, our resources, our time, that we might be the compassion that Jesus has for the lost and the hurting. You know, each of us has power within us through the Holy Spirit to bring a miracle into someone else's life. You know, it's not reserved for a couple of people in here. Every single one of us in this room has the power of the Holy Spirit to bring a miracle into someone's life. And there's miracles that we can bring into each other's lives, not just about people who haven't come in these doors yet. There are miracles that we can bring into each other's lives. And um, we're all familiar with the gifts of the Spirit. And, you know, Paul says, each of you is given a gift, a variety of gifts. Use them well to serve one another. And, you know, just to remind ourselves very, very quickly about, you know, there's the gifts of, of wisdom, knowledge, great faith, healing, to perform miracles, prophecy, discern a message, speak in other tongues, interpret that, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving generously, leadership, kindness, loving, hospitality, and the list goes on about all of those things. But my point is that we all have the power within us to operate in those miraculous gifts, in the miraculous realm this morning. Um, you know, and, and some, so often we miss opportunities, I think, to do this. I mean, yeah, I'm speaking to myself here, right, before I talk to anyone else, right? We miss opportunities. So, th- you know, this week, Tony was talking to me. He had uh, his chemo treatment on Friday, and he came home, and he had his nurse was in there, and he's having a conversation with his nurse. Um, and this nurse has got a child who is really quite poorly. Is, um, I've forgotten what it was, but, she, but it's quite a poorly disabled child. And this nurse was just sharing about the treatment that this child's been having and you know, going through all of that, and um, Tony was listening and chatting away, and then he came home and he said to me, I've missed an opportunity. I missed an opportunity just to ask for name and say, I'm going to pray for your child. You know, friends, it's as simple as that, isn't it? Everywhere we go, everywhere we step, there are opportunities for us to bring healing, compassion, and miracles into the lives of other peoples. So let's let, let this be a place, and let us be a place where we have love, compassion, acceptance, and that we can do miracles wherever we go. So my final point this morning, then, is a place of encouragement. (laughs) You know, our words have the power to build people up or to knock people down. Yeah? Ephesians 24, 29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for bringing others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. <laughs> I was reading this while I was going through my notes yesterday. I was like, oh, that's quite interesting. Benefit those who listen. Not, the, not benefit those who say, benefit those who listen. And I, f- I was quite taken by that, actually. So, so often we say things that benefit us, don't they? <laughs> but what are we saying that benefits those that listen. Jude one twenty says, but you, dear friends, build each other up 
in your most holy faith. Pray in the power of this Holy Spirit and await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will bring you eternal life. In this way, you will keep yourself safe in God's love. You know, we live in a broken world, and we all know that we face trials and challenges, and life is not going to be easy. (laughs) You know, there are going to be those situations where we go through the valley of the shadow of death. There are going to be the times we're on the mountaintop. There are going to be other times when we're in those challenging situations. And we all need a bit of encouragement, don't we? I certainly do. We all need encouragement, uh, you know, is, is good for us. You know, a church, though, without encouragement in it, risks people feeling unloved, unimportant, useless, or forgotten about, you know, not having a purpose in church. The... The, um, the verb, or the, uh, the New Testament translation of the word to encourage can also mean to comfort, to cheer up, to console, speak in a friendly manner. And so often in churches, unfortunately, we experience the opposite. Discourage. Cause someone to lose confidence or enthusiasm, disapproval or criticism. Friends, we all have a responsibility doing church together, we all have a responsibility to build each other up, not cause each other to be knocked down. And, you know, biblical encouragement isn't focused on just complimenting somebody. Like, you know, your hair looks good today, Steve. You had a haircut, looks all right. <laughs> it's not about, you know, just saying, oh, you're looking really good. Um, it's not about saying, oh, you, you're really great at doing coffee on the barista. But it is really important to say those things. And those are really nice things to say. And Jess is barista skills are amazing she's not in the room at the moment but I just want to go out there and say that they're amazing so (laughs) but that's important but that's not necessarily um, the way that the biblical encouragement is asking us to work here biblical encouragement is about sharing with hope something that will lift people up towards God it points of evidence that what they're doing is actually having some significance it points them to God's promise and knowledge that and give them assurance that no matter what they're going through, that God is with them, that he's in control of every situation. Um, and, um, and, and that's what really the early church in the, in the New Testament, they were very much full of um, encouragement. And, and when they did life together, um, they, they, you know, they, they read the scriptures to each other. They quoted the scriptures to each other to try and build each other up. You know, they strengthened each other. They encouraged each other. Paul re- wrote countless messages and letters to different churches to try and build up and to encourage through that and that's so important encouragement is really an essential way that we extend grace to each other and um, you know there's lots of ways that we can build a culture of encouragement in church and um, and uh, you know (sighs) encouragement doesn't always come easy it's not always a natural thing that we do is it it's easy to become criticism really and um you know, but when we have a, we sometimes we have to pray and ask God to develop a heart of an encourager within us, because it's not always nor- it's not normal in culture. So there's another way that we can ask God to show us somebody that we can give encouragement to. You know, actually pray. Close your eyes and say, God, you know, how can I encourage someone this morning? What can I do to give someone some encouragement? When we were worshipping this morning, I just want to give Jim some encouragement. This is a bit impromptu, it's not written down here. But I just want to encourage you, Jim. When we sang a song earlier, you played the drums, and it was like you were prophesying to dead bones to come alive. 
keep doing what you're doing because that is important. There was something that moved in the spirit realm this morning when you, when you played those drums. <laughs> we can use scripture to encourage each other. There's nothing more encouraging than to show somebody a scripture of a word of God that is a promise to their lives. Yeah, we can do that. We can, we can determine to make encouragement part of our daily routine. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a thought process to go through. We have to actively seek it out and do it. But actually, there's a, way, there's a way that we can do it if we're going to be purposeful in doing that. You know, friends, there's an importance of encouraging Stephen Becky as our lead pastors. Yeah? Actively seek out ways to encourage and bless them. And, and, and the final thing in just this culture of encouragement is just about being wise. So just, just, just be wise. I mean, be, be encouraging, but be wise in doing that. So if you're a married man and you want to give an encouragement to a woman, do it as a couple. Do it with your wife. You know, be, be sensible with the way that you do it. <laughs> but, um, but, but seek out ways, actively look to that, um, and, and find ways to be an encourager. Don't fall, fall into criticism. I, I, I challenged myself with this this morning because I walked in, I walked into church, and as I walked in, I saw this stage, and I went, oh, I wasn't prepared for that this morning. I was like, and the, my immediate thought is like going to Steve. I'm like, what's this about? What's this here for? And I was like, but, you know, it's easy to fall into criticism. Actually, it's not that bad. Now I'm up here. I'm actually quite enjoying seeing all your wonderful faces at the back. So I can see the back row. So <laughs> and I haven't fallen off. So there's a, there's a benefit. Huh? There is time. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. So, you know, don't fall into that. Be an encourager. You know, I'm really excited about the words that we had in Jeremiah this morning. This was a prophetic word that, that God gave through Jeremiah. And I believe it's a prophetic word for us as individuals, us as church, and as us as the city of Plymouth. The city was destroyed. There was no life in it because of the wickedness and sin. Nevertheless, I will bring health and healing, sounds of joy and gladness, the voices of bride and bridegroom, the voices of those who give thanks to God, you know, this is God's promise. This is God's heart. And we are called to be the conduits of the outworking of this promise into reality on earth. Through the power of the Holy Spirit living and working with us. We are the ones that activate this and bring it into reality. By being loving. By being accepting. By being compassionate. By working in the miraculous realm by being encouragers. These are all ways and parts of what we do in church. So Restore Church, if we truly are pledged to partner with Jesus, to save the lost and serve the broken, I want to encourage us this morning with a few questions. I'll just ask the worship team if they could just come back because we're going to sing together shortly. But I want to ask you this. Have we asked God you know, it's, it's my challenge, really, rather than a question. Ask God to help you to be a place of love and acceptance. In our words, in our actions, wherever we go. Ask God to give you eyes to see people the way he sees people. To love people the way he loves people. To let your heart break the way his heart breaks for people. To love and accept people the way that Jesus loves and accepts us. Ask God to use you to bring compassion 
and healing and a miracle into someone else's life. Through the gifts of the Spirit, pray that God will enhance your gift and that he will give you the courage to step out and use your gift and to see those opportunities that we miss every day of our lives. And purpose in your heart to be an encourager. Not just superficial words, but true biblical encouragement. You know, these are, I think, hopefully I've set out the starting of our values this morning because these are our values as, as church. And um, I just wonder if we can just stand together. Because it's all very well, the leadership of a church putting on its website, our vision is to partner with Jesus to save the lost and the bro- serve the broken. It's all very easy for a leadership team to do that. But church isn't about a leadership team. It's about us as individuals. We are the church. <laughs> yeah? This is our vision. And the values that we set out this morning are really a way that we can be that conduit to see the promise of God. The restoration of this city health and healing, sounds of joy and gladness, the voice of bride and bridegroom, the voice of those giving thanks to God, you know, in this city. I'm just going to pray this morning and then I'm going to hand back to Steve, but I just want to give this opportunity for you just to reaffirm that we are truly partnering with Jesus that's your heart this morning it's my heart this morning I truly want to partner with you Jesus help me to see the lost help me to see the broken the the hurting help me to bring health and healing and wholeness help me to bring encouragement and really to truly see people as you see people to love people how you love people for our hearts to break when we see the lost. Lord Jesus, I just pray for this wonderful, wonderful group of people who are gathered here this morning. Father, in your presence right now, we lift up our hands to you and say, Jesus, we truly want to partner with you. We want to partner with you to save the lost and to serve the broken in this city. Wherever we go, wherever we step foot, we just want to partner with you. <laughs> and we thank you, Lord God, for your, for your amazing prophetic word into this house this morning. That in spite of, in spite of where, what we see, the brokenness and the destruction and where we see image of people's lives totally destroyed when we we just kind of relate that back to that earthquake scene with the total destruction of people's lives are broken and lost without you father god we thank you for your prophetic word into that situation you will bring health and healing you will build up and restore what was once lost there will be sounds of joy there will be praise lifted up to you in this place, Lord God. And we just lay ourselves before you afresh this morning and say, God, will you come and will you, will you just give us a heart of love and compassion? 
Will you help us to see people and accept people you, the way you do? Will you stir up the gifts within us? Will you stir up those gifts that we can use to bring miracles into the lives of people that need it, into each other's lives, but into the lives of the lost and the broken in our city that we serve? You stir up the gift. You stir up that anointing and stir up that passion this morning in each and every one of us, Lord God. There is not a person in this room that does not have a ministry. There is not a person in this room that does not have a purpose in you. There is not a person in this room that is not useful to bringing the kingdom of God into this city. Lord God, I, help, I ask, Lord God, that you will just bring fresh vision, fresh, fresh vision into our minds this morning about how we truly do partner with you. Oh, Lord Jesus, and I just pray, Lord, that you will be an encourager. Will you build that culture of encouragement in this house? In the name of Jesus, we just want to worship you and we just declare your goodness, your greatness. And thank you, Lord God, that you're doing amazing things. And I'm so excited about your promise and your prophetic word this morning. Oh, Lord God. Just come and do miracles, we ask in this city. In Jesus' name, thank you. Thank you. Amen. Jesus. What a great word. Come on, let's just bank your knees for the word.